Well, it certainly was Bedlam. The Oklahoma Sooners fall 37-33 to the Oklahoma State Cowboys on Saturday night. Welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast. We will talk about the game, things that stood out, key moments in the game, and we'll have some things to say about the officiating as well on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is a post-game edition of the Locked On Sooners podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast. And we're available on YouTube as well, so make sure you go hit the subscribe button, like the show as well. Leave me a comment. would love to know how you're feeling about Oklahoma's loss to the to Oklahoma State 37-33. I mean, I know you, know, you go to different social media places and there's all sorts of feelings and thoughts on this game. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts and, and uh, you know, some of the best takes, questions I'll, I'll share on the next show. Uh, we'll talk about some of those things as well because this was just a game that had so many different kind of turns and, and you know, momentum changes and shifts and and how the game was going and even how I felt about the game you know it was just a roller coaster ride and, and I felt like you know early in the game Oklahoma State was doing was playing really really well Spencer Sanders all of a sudden like looked like a totally different quarterback than the guy we've seen over several years I mean he looked like a guy that was capable of potentially being a Heisman contender the way he was playing I mean, he was making great throws. Tay Martin was coming up with some great catches, and they weren't really leaning much on Jalen Warren in the running game. It was a lot of what their success was predicated on was was the passing game, and that was a little bit of a disappointment for you know if you're looking at the Oklahoma defense, like you're healthy and you should be able to cover these guys, but they were able to beat Woody Washington several times. DJ Graham was having a hard time. Um, you know, Key Lawrence was having some struggles as well, and they just weren't able to get anything consistently, you know, any consistent stops. And Oklahoma State was doing a lot of what they wanted to do in the early part of the game. And, you know, it, it took a while for, you know, Oklahoma to really get going. They, they did get a, you know, a touchdown early uh, to, to keep it 7-7. But I felt like it was, it was a bit of a struggle uh, to get going offensively. And and we knew it was going to be right. We knew that Oklahoma state's defense was going to be really good. And they were going to be legit. And I mean, I really don't have much issue with the way the first half played out because I felt like that was, I mean, the, the points scored were a lot more than what I anticipated and what I think most people had expected, but I felt like Oklahoma was playing decent football. It's just that the, the Cowboys were making plays. You know, I, I think there, you could have an argument with some of the things that went on early in the game where, you know, the, the passes to Jaden Hazelwood in the end zone left a little bit to be desired because, you know, those 50-50 balls haven't always gone the Sooners' way this year. Jaden Hazelwood's good, and he can make those plays a lot of times, but often those things are falling incomplete. And so I, I kind of have an issue with the way those are going. But when you look at the the work done by the H-back group, Braden Willis, Austin Stogner, and Jeremiah Hall, those guys were absolutely phenomenal tonight. They played such a great game and, and gave the Oklahoma Sooners' offense a lift when – 
the rest of the wide receiver crew was really struggling to create separation, make plays on the ball. And you, know, you can't say enough about Kennedy Brooks in the running game. Oklahoma State is one of the best run defenses in the country, and Kennedy Brooks in the offensive line played a really solid game going for more than 100. But then the second half was a much different story. You know, Oklahoma, whether it was Jim Knowles just making better adjustments, I, I don't really feel like they were doing anything much differently except for maybe playing a little bit more coverage to try to confuse Caleb Williams because they were still sending pressure. They were still getting after him with the blitz because that's what they do well. And that, and they're, they're great at creating pressure and getting to the quarterback. And they did. They got to Caleb Williams quite a bit in the second half. Um, but I think what they were doing in the first half that was helping to mitigate that, and you saw it again a little bit at the end of the game, was they were using the quick passing game to get the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands so that he could beat the blitz. And they were running the football. And it seemed like, again, in the third quarter and at times in the fourth quarter, Lincoln Riley got away from the run a little bit. They got away from the thing that was working in the first half, the quick passing game, which I think is something that, that he really needs to look at really heavily because there were times in this game where they needed a third and 10 and he's sending everybody 15 yards down the field, except for, you know, Kennedy Brooks, who's you know going out on the, on a, a swing route or, you know, he got, got away from the running, running game at one point in time. There was, there was one series and I can't remember exactly which series it was, but I think it was in the fourth quarter and Oklahoma needed a, you know, they're still trying to get back in this game and, and try and score. And, you know, they ran like five or six plays and then they ended up punting. Where is it here? Yeah. So it was with, let's see about. So eight fifty four or eight fifty left in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma state had just gone up 37 to 33 after the, the, the muff punt, which we'll talk about in a second. And they come out and, Kennedy Brooks doesn't touch the ball on that drive. And he's having a really good game to this point, and yet he doesn't touch the ball on the most important drive of the game after you just gave up the lead, gave up a nine-point lead that you'd had. Now Oklahoma State's up 37-33. You need a drive, one, to get your defense off the field a little bit. Two, you need you got to score. you got to score. And your best player on the day, who was Kennedy Brooks, didn't touch the ball. I don't understand how Lincoln Riley is so easily swayed to go away from the running game. I know the quarterbacks have been great at Oklahoma, but they haven't been great this year. You haven't had a quarterback this year that could carry your team in the same way that Baker Mayfield could or Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts. Now that's not to say that Caleb Williams can't be that, but we've seen this year that there are times when he is great and there are times when he's less than stellar and it's it's hurting your team to put the ball in his hands as often as as he is and there's several reasons for that and, and i want to get into those for sure and, and we'll talk about some of the some of those issues that we need to really look at and and i and i hope that caleb that lincoln riley will address and caleb williams will work on in the offseason um but this is just such a weird game second half Oklahoma gets nine points off of defense and special teams. The Perry on Winfrey just by himself, you know, he, he forces a fumble that, and it, I mean, I don't even know if he really got a hand on the ball 
in as much as he just drove his guy into the running back. And he might have gotten a hand of the ball and knocked it out. But Oklahoma is able to, to, you know, knock it into the end zone. And even though Oklahoma State recovers, excuse me, Oklahoma State recovers, it goes for a safety. Oklahoma gets a, you know, is up 26 to 24 at this point. Oklahoma State punts the ball away. Oklahoma's not really able to do anything with it. They punt it back. And the pressure from a, a gigantic Michael Turk punt and Trayvon West just bearing down on, on the defender, on the returner, causes a fumble. Justin Broyles recovers it in the end zone. And all of a sudden, the Sooners are up 33-24. And you're like, hey, man, all things are turning up Oklahoma. This is the chance that they they needed to get ahead and, and potentially run away with this game. And yet they weren't able to do anything because the mental miscues in the third quarter completely zapped the energy out of this team. Penalties, fumbles, you know, poor, poor decision making by your quarterback, poor ball security by your quarterback, poor play calling by your offense by your by your head coach, offensive coordinator. It was just a, a terrible third quarter, and the Oklahoma Sooners just really struggled to recover from it. And it, it's such a disappointment because this was a team that had such high expectations and high hopes and f- appeared to be a pretty talented group on paper. And it's a shame that they got a wasted, they, they wasted a defense that had Nick Bonito and Perrion Winfrey and Jalen Redmond and Isaiah Thomas on it because you're probably losing three, maybe all four of those guys to the NFL next year. And so you're going to have a big retooling on your defensive line that has to take place. And you didn't get the benefit of those guys contending for a national championship. Absolutely frustrating. But we'll talk about some of the more some of the other frustrations we had from this game, uh, namely the refer the officiating and, and how it impacted the game. I know it's not the biggest issue that happened in this game, but it was an issue, and we'll talk about that after I talk to you about NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. Put on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the netsuite.com slash, sorry, Financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. And let's talk about some of the kind of more frustrating aspects of this game. Uh, I got to start with the officiating. You know, we'll, we'll eventually we'll get to that Trayvon West defensive pass interference non-call that occurred. But there was one in the first half as well where Jaden Hazelwood 
he gets his he gets his arm pinned behind his back as he's going up to make a contested catch and he's not able to contest for the catch because his arm is pinned behind his back by the defender who doesn't even really who kind of looks back for the ball but barely looks back for the ball what is he supposed to do like he's trying to make a one-handed grab in a contested catch situation with one arm literally held behind his back literally like that's not figuratively you can go back and you can watch that replay the defender has his arm I don't know what else you do. And this is not the first time in, in recent weeks this has been an issue. Look back to last week against Iowa State. It was an issue then too where there were blatant pass interference calls that did not get called and the Oklahoma Sooners offense suffered for it and they struggled because of it. And we don't want to talk about, you know, like officiating is not the only thing that cost the Oklahoma Sooners this game, but it was a part of the game that mattered. And it, and it absolutely impacted the outcome of this game. The Oklahoma Sooners were penalized 12 times versus Iowa State, or sorry, versus Oklahoma State six. Now, a lot of those were self-inflicted. Perrion Winfrey apparently did not understand that he could just look at the ball, um, and he was really eager to jump the snap. When you're an interior defensive lineman, you look at the football, especially in an environment where they're trying to use hard counts. Just watch the football. I know you want to make a play. I know you want to get into the backfield. I know you want to disrupt the passer. You want to disrupt the running game. And you were doing a great job at that. Just look at the football, man. Just look at the football. And then, you know, there were several holds, you know, like several holding calls. But I'm looking at that. I'm like, how is it that Oklahoma is the only one getting called for holding on run plays? Like, how is that possible? Now, some of it is Caleb Williams not following his blocks. Some of it is, you know, like, I don't know. It's poor technique, I guess. But at this point, like 12 games into the season, how is it that they still have such bad technique that they were getting called for holds almost every single game? Now, good players make you have bad technique. That's true. But are they, is it every single week that this team is facing team, you know, defensive linemen that are that much better than them? There's an old saying in football that they could probably call holding or, de- or pass interference on every play. But it just seems that more often than not, that it's Oklahoma that's getting called for holding on big plays or, you know, at inopportune times. And it, it's just, it just gets frustrating. You know, it gets frustrating to see a play like Jaden Hazelwood's that was a ball in the end zone that would have gotten them a first and goal at the one, not get called. It's frustrating to see, you know, Trayvon West get, you know, try to come back for the ball and get mauled and not have a chance to. The defender doesn't even look back for the ball. He doesn't even try to make a play on the ball. And you go back, like you look at the Dallas Cowboys game. I'm a Cowboys fan. You look at that Thanksgiving game on on Thursday, exact same play happened to Anthony Brown where, but, but he's not even really touching the guy and he gets called for pass interference. And maybe this is just the state of officiating in football right now, because there's too many games, too many leagues, too many teams across all levels that you just can't get good officials. But at this point, I'm, I'd almost rather not have officials if this is the way it's going to be played. Like if this is the way it's going to be called, because then you like then you're calling you know Woody Washington on the same play, on the same thing that the Jaden Hazelwood non-call went for, and then you got the the unnecessary roughness call that they throw the flag on it and then they pick it up, and I mean. It's hard to, I have a hard time thinking of a time where they threw a flag for unnecessary roughness or a late hit after the play and then they did, then they picked it up. 
I really have a hard time remembering that. I do. And again, I, I don't want to, I mean, I know I'm talking a lot about the officiating right now. I know. And I, and I hate doing it because you hate that the fact, you hate the fact that the officials interjected themselves into the game through their calls or non-calls. But that's, it's just the reality. It's going to be part of the story. Did Oklahoma give Oklahoma State the game? Yeah, absolutely they did. But their comeback was thwarted also by their inability to get some calls. Have, if the referees don't pick up the flag on that, on that uh, third down run by Kennedy Brooks that led to the unnecessary roughness late hit call, that's a fresh set of downs for Oklahoma. And who knows what happens? But that they, they take that away and it just kills momentum. If they call either one of the defensive pass interference calls on Jaden Hazelwood or Trayvon West, that should have been called, potentially that's a touchdown. And that changes the complexion of the game. Like those are points off the board because you didn't call something that was blatant. And I'm and I'm not into like ticky tack calls. I really don't like I and that's part of the problem I have with holding is like you could call holding every time, but you don't have to. Like you don't have to call it every time. Like there were several times that Oklahoma was called for holding that I felt like they just didn't even give them a chance to disengage. So what is what, what's the offensive lineman supposed to do? Like just quit blocking as soon as he feels the guy move, like you know, kind of coming away from him. I don't know. It just leaves the offensive lineman in a really, really bad position. And yeah, I would, you know, uh, Oklahoma state got called for holding, you know, towards the end of the game as well. And I mean, and it's good to see that finally, you know, they did get called for holding. Cause I'm sure they were holding a lot more than they got called for. But anyway, I don't want to talk about the officiating anymore. It just, it gets me fired up and it's not fun. Um, you know, it, it's, it was a frustrating game. It was a frustrating way to end the big 12 regular season and to not go to the big 12 title game is really frustrating as well. Um, you know, you're the Oklahoma Sooners, you have high expectations and you have expectations of making the college football playoff and you didn't meet those expectations this year. And, and, and it's a total team effort for this. Like this isn't just on one player, one unit, one coach, one, you know, coaching staff, like it, one game. It, this was a year that was just fraught with um, an inability to reach your potential. And maybe it's we just overestimated this team based on some of the results we got last year. Maybe they're, you know, some of the receivers, we overestimated their ability to make plays, create separation. Because you look at some of those plays at the end of the game, and I mean, yeah, Oklahoma State was providing good coverage, but they weren't even really fighting to get separation. Like they they would get to their routes and they just stop as Caleb Williams is running around, just hoping somebody's gonna break open. Like that's something they'll have to go into the offseason looking at. It's like we need to work on a scramble drill. Because when this guy's running around and there's like you I think it was that the the fourth down play on the second to last drive where Caleb Williams he buys a ton of time running around, rolls to the left sideline, and he he's looking for someone to break open. And somebody goes, you know, deep, but it is still covered. But there's there's all kinds of space in the middle of the field for those receivers on the far side of the field to come to on the scramble drill, but 
but it's too late. They don't, they don't, I guess they don't either turn their, they turn their back they don't see what's going on and they don't recognize that they need to follow Williams to that side of the field, as opposed to staying on the far side. But that's something they got to go into the off season. They got to work on. And that's the scramble drill. They just have to work on it. Um, I, I do want to talk about some of the things that I felt like Caleb Williams needs to, you know, could have done better in this game. Uh, I want to talk about some of the things that I felt like, you know, Oklahoma defense struggle kind of just takeaways um, from, from the game. This is again, initial reaction. I'll, I'll dig into this a little bit deeper as we go through the week and, and we'll talk more about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I just have some thoughts on some things that I feel like they need to address as they get into, into going to the offseason. But first, I want to talk about better line. Hey, Thanksgiving just happened, and we all know what that means. Football and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet online has covered all the day season, more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving and holiday season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% well bonus with our promo code locked on. And it's not just football. Bet online has pro college football, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't worry, take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bring all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, and let's talk about Built Bar. Friday, Sunday only, starting or ending tomorrow on Sunday, at Built Bar is 20% off everything. You can go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED20, 20% off anything and everything. Do you need some peanut butter brownie Built Bar? Go get it. You need that chocolate, uh, coconut almond, chocolate brownie the time to go get it they got great they got great new flavor now with the root chocolate pops marshmallow goodness in a unique chocolate called root chocolate it's never been done before that built bar dark chocolate with white chocolate now ruby chocolate joins the built bar club ruby chocolate has a beautiful rose color picked for the holidays it's an actual type of chocolate that has a bit of a berry taste it's unique and delicious or you love, or you a cheesecake dipped puffs again a marshmallowy type lemon cheesecake puff. It's sweet. It's tangy. I love lemon. If you like lemon pie or lemon pie, this is the built bar for you. So go to built.com, use promo code locked20 and get 20% off. You can also get 60% off of built broth, built boost, and 40% off of built swag. That's built.com, promo code locked20. Hey, and thank you so much for taking the time to make Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Appreciate you and all of the subscribers that are, that are jumping on the show. Thank you for being around on YouTube and, and leaving your replies and leaving your comments. Just love interacting and uh, just talking football with you. Sad that, you know, meaningful football season is over. Oklahoma will still have a bowl game, but contention for anything meaningful is finish but don't stop don't stop listening we'll have a lot to talk about this offseason as far as the football team goes getting ready for 2022 big recruiting cycle coming up with early signing day and then also looking ahead to the 2023 recruiting cycle as well and oklahoma Sooners men's basketball women's basketball are going on doing well and then we got softball coming up in the spring so make sure you stick with us here at locked on sooners as we get into all that caleb williams my man I need you to go into this offseason and really look at some of your running ability. You're a great runner. You are. On the flip side of that, Caleb Williams is an indecisive runner. 
he looks like he's unwilling to run at times, even when there's nothing really available downfield and he's got, uh, you know, some open space. I'd really like him to go watch some Spencer Rattler or sorry, Spencer Sanders film for this reason. Like if you look at Spencer Sanders, when he runs, he gets what he can, he gets out of bounds, gets down. Even if he's dropped back to pass, he doesn't see anything he likes. He'll take his five yards and he'll move along. That's one thing I'd really like to see Caleb Williams look into this this year because he just didn't look very comfortable trying to run at times. I mean, and he's been great. I mean, that 56-yard run play, like that's the stuff that we're talking about. Like when there's opportunities for him to run, he needs to take advantage of those and pick up the yards that he can pick up and move along. Live to fight another down. I mean, he had the 74-yard touchdown run a week ago. I mean, it shows he's got a great ability to run the football. It's just sometimes just not very decisive, not very um, – doesn't look very comfortable doing it, which is weird considering he's a really good runner. Uh, th- you know, I, I'd, I'd like to see him, you know, just involve the quick passing game more. I'd like to see Lincoln Riley just go into the offseason making that an emphasis, is getting more quick, bas- quick passing game into the offense because when he's running it, he's pretty effective at it. You know, when he's running that two-minute hurry up, just getting the ball out of his hands quick, he's really good. Sometimes when he's having to drop, you know, have five-step drops – you know, survey the field, wait for longer developing routes to, to come open. It's a bit of a struggle. Um, some of that, you know, is on the wide receivers not getting open. Some of it's on Caleb Williams not letting it loose at times when the play might not be open, but it's going to be open enough. You know, the receiver is going to be able to run to the football. Um, I think Lincoln Riley needs to, like, look at himself too. Again, we talked about it early on in the show that he got away from the running game a little bit which is weird because at times like that's Oklahoma's bread and butter is the running game. And when Kennedy Brooks is having as good a day as he had against an Oklahoma state team that is as good as they've been against the run, that's going to take some, you know, self-reflection. And thankfully he's going to be doing it at Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley addressed all the LSU rumors tonight in his post game press conference saying, let me be clear. I'm not the next head coach at LSU. Next question. It's about as emphatic as you can make it. Now, the cynical people out there are going to say, well, a head coach has never told a lie in college football. And, yeah, you know, you got the Rich Rodriguez's out there. You got other folks that have told lies and went on to other jobs. Tommy Tumberville is one. But if we – I mean, it, to me, it, Lincoln Riley wouldn't be the person that we think he is if that were going to be the case with him. He seems more like a high-integrity guy than some of these other coaches in college football. Um, we got to figure out something with the offensive line. There were too many times where they just rushed three or four pass, you know, rushed three or four guys and they were able to get pressure on Caleb Williams, uh, especially that last, that fourth, that last fourth and 10, they rushed three guys and Caleb Williams didn't have time. It's absolutely, absolutely ludicrous that he could not get enough time on third and 10. And it wasn't like he ran into the pressure either. He was just sitting in the pocket and the guy just beat him there, just beat his man and got to Caleb Williams. Just sad. It's just, it's just a bummer. Just disappointing. Um, you know, things that, things that were good. you know, let's talk about a few things that were good in this game. You know, like it was great to see Austin Stogner get that touchdown. We've been wondering where Austin Stogner has been all season long. He showed up. He showed up in a big way. It was huge. That touchdown was huge at the moment. 
gave Oklahoma some life and they're going to need him more like that. He's going to have to be a huge part of the passing game next year. For some reason, he wasn't as much this year, but he needs to be a huge part of it going into next year. Um, you know, I feel like the defense responded well at times. I felt like, you know, they played really good. They won the turnover battle. Oklahoma won the turnover battle tonight. Um, it was, let me see if I can find it real quick. And they had two interceptions on of Spencer Sanders. Well, I guess, yeah. And, you know, Oklahoma had two turnovers. They had the fumble on the, on the muffed punt, and then Caleb Williams had a, a fumble as well. Um, and then they dominated the time of possession. Like, they had the ball for 35 minutes. Oklahoma State only had it for 24. Uh, they had a, almost 100 more total yards than Oklahoma State. They ran for 189 yards at 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, you know, Kennedy Brooks himself ran for 6.3 yards per carry. So that's, I mean, that's pretty good. Like they, they had some good things going. They just couldn't ever put it together consistently. Um, you know, I don't have the sack numbers yet here, but we'll talk about that as kind of pro football focus puts out their grades and, and some of their advanced stats. But I mean, Caleb Williams was under pressure a lot. Um, and it's hard to, it's hard when you're under pressure. I think the the defensive game plan coming in to try and pressure Spencer Sanders wasn't necessarily the best one. Um, you know, if you read some of the stuff over the Sooners Wire, I covered that a little bit. Where he's he's pretty good when he's blitzed. It's when he's not blitzed that his passer rating kind of comes down a little bit. And before, like, and I should have done this earlier in the in the show. I need to give Oklahoma State more props than I've given them because they they played a really good game. Now, did they have some mistakes? Absolutely. You know, the, they had the muffed, you know, uh, fun, uh, muffed punt return that led to a touchdown. They had the safety that led to points. Spencer Sanders threw a couple of interceptions. Sorry, recording this at midnight uh, after the game. So sorry about all the yawns. But I mean, I think they, you know, they played a solid game. Jim Knowles had a good game plan. He stifled the Oklahoma Sooners offense in the second half. They, the offense didn't score a point in the second half. They had nine points, but that was special teams and defense that created those nine points. Oklahoma's offense couldn't do anything. Uh, it, it's it's a bit frustrating, you know. It's it's a bit frustrating that they weren't able to to, to score. Um, but a lot of that credit has to go to Oklahoma State and and the defensive effort that they gave. They were hounding Caleb Williams all night long. He had very little room to run when he did run, and. Yeah, he he just had had a hard time finding open windows to throw to. So we'll we'll dig more into this game, but I wanted to come and and do a post game kind of pod with you just to get these initial thoughts out. Well, I'll continue to dissect this and we'll dig into it a little bit more as we go into the week. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners, a special post game edition of Locked On Sooners. Again, hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure you follow the show wherever you get your podcasts available on all pl- podcast platforms. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners, on Facebook, Locked On Sooners. And you can read my work covering the Sooners over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at John9Williams. Would love to interact with you, hear more of your thoughts on this game and where the Oklahoma Sooners need to go and what they need to fix heading into 2022. We'll talk about that more this week as we learn Oklahoma's bowl situation, where they're going to be projected to go. A lot of things are pointing toward the Alamo Bowl, and that doesn't sit well. 
Anyway, until next time, I'm John Williams. Hope you have a great Sunday and Monday and a great rest of your weekend. God bless and Boomer Sooner. <laughs>